Thank you, Pastor. I appreciate it. Does everybody have a handout by any chance? Yeah, good. Okay. I'll go where you want me to go, dear Lord. I'll be what you want me to be. I appreciate Pastor uh, singing that song this morning. That is, uh, growing up, that is one song that I refused to sing for many, many years, even into my adulthood. I would not sing that song. Uh, I didn't want to be found guilty before God of uh, saying something, singing something that I didn't mean. I believe that... uh, I think Christians many times take too lightly songs they sing that uh, they will be accountable as far as those words that come out of their mouth. The Bible says that we're going to be accountable for what comes out of our mouth before God. But um, key thought for the lesson today as far as the will of God in this part one is well pleased. Jesus said of his son when he was baptized, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased Uh, because uh, as we know that Jesus said here a little while later in his life, um, he said, not my will, but thine. And as we study here the will of God, bottom line, it comes between a conflict between our will and God's will, and that'll probably be one of the greatest battles we will ever face in our life, is a battle of wills, what we want, what we desire over what God wants and what he desires for us. But how do I find God's will? It's in your notes there. A famous preacher once said that a successful man is a man who finds out what God wants him to accomplish with his life and then fulfills it. That is a very profound statement. The true measure of a man's success is not his social status, his bank account, his influence, or his fame. It is simply doing what God wants him to do. The purpose of this lesson is to give us a clear understanding of what the will of God is as revealed in the Bible so we can begin to accomplish those things that God would have us accomplish. Let's pray. Father, come before you now. In the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that uh, I would live what I speak that it be real in my heart, in my life. And Lord, I pray that you'd use me today as far as uh, the experiences, good and bad, the decisions, good and bad, um, the learning, good and bad, that I've had in my life over the years. You'd use my voice, Father, and uh, that I know the scriptures you've revealed to me clearly. Lord, I just pray that you'd use this lesson in all our lives, and in Jesus Christ's holy name I pray, amen. What is the will of God for my life? Many people, including Christians, often ask or wonder about such questions in life as what should I do when I grow up? Who should I marry? Where should I live? What job should I have, etc.? And these are very, very, of course, important points or questions that we have in life. Uh, Important questions here in the first uh, blank here. These are important questions, and as a Christian, as a Christian, your first blank, it is important to have God's input with the decision-making process concerning these matters. Concerning these matters. Be there. 
But how can I know what God wants for your life? How can you know? This is not an unreasonable or a foolish question, for as Christians, we must, we must realize that we are not our own, but are bought with a price. The longer we live as a Christian refusing to recognize and submit to that fact, the longer we will be living outside of God's will for our lives and the harder this life in Christ will be. God created us for a purpose, and that purpose is found in Revelation 4.11. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Now, uh, let us see there. There is a difference, however, and I want to move pretty quick through this because I've got a lot of stuff to cover. And I so appreciate Pastor allowing me to get up here as soon as possible. But there is, however, a difference between what God's will is and what His plan is for your life. God's will, there, number one, God's will is the same for every man, for every person. But His plan for each individual differs. His plan, His will is the same. His plan, now you could say, well, His plan is His will for you. Yeah, but that's specifically for your, for your life. But His will is, is commonly found throughout Scriptures. God is infinitely, now get this point here, number two. If you have a highlighter, highlight this point. When you get home, highlight this point, number two. If you don't get anything out of this lesson but point number two, I will be thrilled. Point number two. God is infinitely more interested in your being the type of person He wants you to be than in your doing for Him all the mighty works. Be what He wants you to be, and He will show you what He wants you to do. We need to be what God wants us to be, first and foremost, above anything else in our life. God's clearly revealed will is found in his written word, the Bible. Hey there. God's will is no mystery. Is no mystery. It is not something we have to wonder about. It is clearly revealed in the Bible. Ephesians 5.17 says, Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Now, God's not going to give a command like that unless He's given us the ability to understand it. The, uh, a person that may not have the mental capacity to understand, God is a just God, God is a fair God, God keeps everything into account, understands everything, understands everything clearly. But for those that can understand, even for somebody who doesn't read, if they can hear, they can understand. If they can listen, especially in 2021 with all the audio that we have and all the listening, and we can hear the Word of God as far as, as on, on our phones. We can hear preaching. We can hear a lot of wisdom or whatever, if we, even if we don't understand or read. Uh, letter B, God's will is, number one, that all men be saved. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. In fact, God has commanded all men everywhere to repent. He's commanded that. Because God's will have all men to be saved and come unto the knowledge of the truth. 
Number two, not only that all men be saved, but that all men should be spirit-filled. This means we should be yielded and controlled by the Holy Spirit. Letter three, or number three, that we be thankful in. Words mean things. The Bible says we're to be thankful in all things. We don't necessarily have to be thankful for all things, but it's kind of like almost, you know, when we're in the middle of something, um, many times we can be thankful for a situation that happened, even though it's kind of hard to be thankful. But when we're in that, we still need to have a thankful heart, especially if we're born again, especially if heaven is our home regardless of how severe or difficult the situation may be. We are to be thankful in all things. Closely associated with being filled with the Holy Ghost is thankfulness. Number four, that we be sanctified. That is, set apart for, set apart for holy purposes. We are not to be conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of our minds. When we live holy, sanctified lives, we are separated from evil. And all this is clearly revealed in the will of God. So often I've had people over the years, well, how did, how did you know it was God's will to go to Romania? How did you know it was God's will to leave the state police in 90 New? How did you know it was God's will for this or for that? And one thing I've learned over the years, if we learn and do what God has already revealed His will to be for everyone that is born again. Understanding what God's plan is, is something that can come relatively quick and easy. He wants us to be what He wants us to be first and foremost. Letter five, or number five, that we be submissive servants. Submissive servants. First we are to serve God and then man from, from our hearts with pure motives. The Bible instructs us to be careful to maintain good works for necessary uses that we may be profitable, fruitful, and able to put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. Remember, ye serve the Lord Christ first and foremost in everything we do. Number six that we be ultimately conformed to the image, conformed to the image of His dear Son. The Lord Jesus Christ is the one that we are to be like. We are to ultimately be conformed to the image of His dear Son. The Lord Jesus Christ is the one we are to be like. I think too often especially in the sports world, in many other areas of life, as Christians and, and young people, we can get sucked into wanting to be like other people or, or emulate you know, different uh, sports stars. And, and the first and foremost thing we need to be making sure that we follow and that we be like is the Lord Jesus Christ. Number seven, that we sometimes suffer that we sometimes suffer in this past week, and this is going to be covered in more detail next week, uh, in next week's lesson, but this, this uh, issue of suffer, the Lord has revealed more stuff to me about this issue of suffer than, than I've 
more than I've realized. In the past, I've just thought about, well, when it talks about suffer, it's, it's like the Christians in, in China. And that, that is rightly so. But it's not, it, it, it just, it, it is so much more in depth. And we'll get, in, we'll get into that next week. The will of God concerning the transition from childhood to adulthood. Now, I've, I've written this one here over the, this is not part of a discipleship. And what did I just do to, okay. Um, this is not part of a discipleship lesson, but uh, I wrote this section here. The will of God concerning the transition from childhood to adulthood. Now, when I had my children and they were younger, one of the things that scared me is when they get older, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. And, and as they get, you know, just the decisions they make and, and you know, what, what is the success rate going to be? Because I see there's such a failure in, in other families and in, in failure in, in um, my life uh, growing up as far as that age and my attitude. And, uh, and I think it's very important. Um, we'll just continue on here. Letter A, the will of God for parents for parents to their children, or in relation to their children. Number one, God's will is that all parents should live their life as obedient children to their Father in heaven, so that they may be a living testimony and example to their children in how they should live their lives. My testimony, here, this is a footnote, where are we at here? Okay. I may have shared this testimony uh, in the past, I'm not sure, but one thing that I vividly remember in my own life as far as raising my kids is specifically Gabriel, uh, our firstborn, he was a son, and uh, he, uh, he was like one of those like uh, arcade balls, man, it's like constantly, um, you know, we, we could have easily had him put on Ridlin or whatever as far as, and he didn't need it. He's fine today. But um, about, I'm trying to think of what, I remember the house we were in. So I think it was around maybe the fall of 1999. Uh, he may have been about eight years old, and he'd gotten in trouble about something. And Oh, my word. He, he so needed a whipping. And I'd take him in the bathroom, shut the door, and I sat on the toilet, and I got him bent over my knee, and I've got to uh, switch. And, um, I mean, if he ever needed a spanking, what and I'll be honest with you, I don't remember what transpired. I just know that he, if ever he needed one and deserved one, it was this moment. It was this moment. And um, I had him bent over, and I had, I had my hand raised up with that switch, and I was getting ready to bring it down. And uh, the Holy Spirit spoke to me right when that rod was getting ready to come down. He said, John, how obedient have you been lately? And I just stopped right in mid-swing. And, uh, and it was, it's all kind of really kind of a split second. But he kind of took my breath away. And I'm thinking, and I realized more now that I think I'd have had an issue with God if I'd have followed through with that whipping. But I stopped, 
and uh, thought for a moment, turned Gabe around, and uh, looked at him, and I said, son, you know you deserve this spanking, don't you? He goes, yes, sir. And he says, if ever a time you deserved a spanking, it's right now, don't you? He goes, yes, sir. And um, I said, let me teach you what the mercy of God means. It's getting something that you really, it's, it's not getting something that you really deserve. And I took that moment to teach him what the mercy of God was. But the Lord took that moment to teach me that how, how obedient had I had been lately to my Father in heaven to where I'm now bringing chastisement down on my son who deserves it and how much more did I deserve it and how much more did I want God to be merciful to me. All right, and it was just one of those times where I just used it to teach Gabriel what the mercy of God was, being merciful. And, um, and I think it's a very crucial point when we're disciplining kids, when we're supposed to discipline our children for whatever, even if they're, they're wrong, that we need to make sure that our life personally is right with God if we want to be as successful as we can be in bringing up our children, in raising our children. Number two, God's will is that all parents should live their life free of hypocrisy in their own life. Free of hypocrisy. I did not say free from sin. Children do not expect perfection from their parents unless a parent is demanding perfection from them. And if you're demanding perfection from your children, then you better live a pretty perfect life yourself. Far more important than your reputation at church, work, and in the world is your reputation with your family. Your family, your spouse, and your children. Fathers and mothers, effective leadership is influence. If you have no good, pure, and holy influence with your children, you cannot lead, direct, guide, or train them properly according to the written word of God. If the influence you have is all born from a life of hypocrisy or desertion or personal self-centeredness, it will be a devastatingly horrible and destructive influence in your children's lives. Influence is crucial, and the type of influence you have will depend on how you can move forward. Pastors mentioned it numerous times uh, over the years, and I've seen it countless times where people in the ministry, missionaries, especially missionaries, but not especially missionaries, a lot of pastors, the moment their children turn 18, bam, they're gone out of the house, and they begin, they begin living a life that is ungodly and horrible because they've been around someone who is preached or taught something in the pulpit that they don't live at home. Parents don't, parents don't, or kids don't expect you to be perfect, and when you mess up, you just need to confess up, go to them, and confess it, not live a life that, you know, oh, you can do no wrong. 
I've been around it. I know what it's like. I know how destructive it's been. I've witnessed it uh, personally in, you know, the, the, I wouldn't say two or three times, I'm sure numerous times, but I specifically remember three or four times where I've messed up in, in, I don't know why it's with Gabriel, but it just, I just remember one instance with Gabriel in the same place around the same time period where uh, I, I think I whipped him and it was like, I realized I was totally wrong. I messed up royally. And I went to him as he's laying in bed there and on my knees and I'm crying and I'm saying, son, I am so sorry I was wrong. I shouldn't have spanked you. Please forgive me. And he says, it's all right, Dad. He says, no, there's no problem. It's okay. I said, well, it, it's, I just want you to know that I messed up and I was wrong. Please forgive me. All right. And uh, Holly's here, of course, and I'm trying to remember if there was ever a time that I'm sure there was a time, but I just, it's not flashing in my mind. I'm sure she'll remind me later. Yeah, I remember this time, and you messed up, and you told me. So, um, we must remember, though, that no, how, no matter how effective you are in raising children, all right, children still have a free will. Before my children turned 18, around the time, I remember, I think, the day or the day before, I was supposed to remember this with Holly sitting there and said, Honey, you're turning 18. There's the door. The government says that you're going to be an adult. You're going to be treated like an adult by the world. You get stopped on a traffic stop. They're not going to be calling me up. They'll be calling you if they're a juvenile. But once they turn 18, they go straight to jail if they're in trouble. And they go to, they go to, to, to big man's jail. And no longer treated like a you know little toddler, you know seventeen and a half year old kids treated like a toddler. You turn eighteen, it's a different story. I said we don't want you to leave, but it, we'll, we'll get into it here a little bit more. Number three, God's will is that all parents should have the mind of Christ, the mind of Christ in themselves as well as their children. Number four, God's will is that all parents should live their life according to his holy written word, the Bible. You can just, you can just write the Bible if you want to, but his holy written word. Five, God's will is that all parents should be holy and live holy as he is holy. God's will, number six, is that all parents should love the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. Number seven, God's will is that all parents should train up their children in the way they should go. In the way they should go is primarily their first six points. Are you living the first six points, and are you instilling that in your children as well, to love the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, mind? Letter B. The will of God for children to their parents, to their parents is 
that all children are to obey their parents in the Lord. In the Lord. And that's key, parents, as well as young people. You know, if a parent gives a command that is very ungodly, you know, if, if a young person has a, a dad who's unsaved or whatever, and dad yells, get me a beer out of the refrigerator, just go get him a beer. If dad says, go to the store and buy me a six-pack of beer, eh, maybe a different story. Um, it, just, it just depends on a balance of what's right and wrong. And in the Lord is the key. Uh, number two, God's will is that all children are to obey their parents in all things. All things, keeping in mind as far as the whole counsel of Scripture, the one right before it, all things that are in the Lord. In the Lord. Number three, God's will is that all children are to honor their father and mother. Be respectful. Be respectful. There is no date or age stamp for a child that is the com of, of that this command of God is done away with. It doesn't matter how old you are, how long you've been away from home, you should still honor and respect your parents. God's command is to honor our parents, and it is not the same as to obey it. I mean, when a child grows up, moves away, makes her own family, um, the, the honor and respect still should be there. Um, it needs to be a balance. It needs to be in the Lord. Deuteronomy 5.16, Honor thy father and thy mother as the Lord thy God hath commanded thee, that thy days may be prolonged, and that it may go well with thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. There's, there's a number of other passages of Scripture. Proverbs 23, 22 is another good reference. says, Hearken unto thy father that begat thee, and despise not thy mother when she is old. Um, see it all the time, especially, oh, my word. Oh. I, I just, I, I know Pastor has seen it on a number of calls he's been on with Michael PD. And uh, I know uh, Brother Kevin's, I've seen it over the years or whatever, but just the uh, the hatred and disrespect and ungodliness that children have towards their parents, and parents have towards their children, but especially children, and in different ages, um, different ages. Matter of fact, um, my brother Jim just did a, a memorial service for two firefighters that were killed, I think it's nine years ago, Christmas Eve or Christmas morning up in um, Webster, New York. They responded to a fire where a man had set fire to his house. They found his 67-year-old sister in there. They're not sure if she was alive or if she was killed before the fire or by the fire that he set. But he had been paroled and was out on parole for having killed his mother in 1980. And, um, and it's just, it, it's, it's something else. Um, number four, God's will is that all children, when they mature into adults, put away childish things and childish behaviors. When I was a child, 
I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. All right, let her uh, see here the transition. And this is the difficult part. It's, it's a balancing act, and it depends on what kind of influence has been established over the years in your children's lives uh, with your wife as well as with you, what kind of environment has been created for your children, whether your children are wanting to flee the home because it's been a horrible environment to live in until the age of 18, or whether it's been a loving environment. I'm not talking about necessarily something that's just compromising where they want to do what they want to do. That's, it's, it, it's not the case. But the transition here, number one, the breaking away from parental controls, parental controls to the Holy Spirit's control. It's where they're, where they're moving into adulthood. You're, you know, it starts maybe around, uh, if you wait till after, um, if you wait till they're 12, 13, 14, you probably waited too long. But right about when they're 10, starting to move as far as in your mindset. I'm not talking about treating them as adults and expecting them to be adults at 10 or 11, but having that mindset that it's going to be moving into when they're 12 and 13 and 14 and 15 in those difficult years of balancing between childhood and adulthood. Um, one of the things that uh, we liked about Pensacola Christian College um, and one of the reasons why uh, we sent our children to that school specifically and not that there are not other schools that have this as, as well as established is that um, we were sending them to a controlled, what we, what we called in the state police as far as going to the academy, a controlled environment to where you go down there and as a young adult there still needs to be a, a, a responsibility of decision making but then again, there's still an authority figure over you as far as what you can and cannot do. And it's like, suck it up, whether you like it or not. It's only for four years. Um, you know, there's some guys, I remember, this is years ago, it's not so much, well, even now. But, you know, the academy is only nine months old or nine months long, and some guys come in there, gals, and they can't handle the strict rigors of the academy life. And it's like, suck it up, come on, it's only nine months. It's like he can't handle it for, for four years. And, um, you know, you get yelled at at the academy. It was, it's kind of quite the same thing as Pensacola. They don't necessarily yell at you there. But uh, it's like if you can't handle getting yelled at here, how are you going to get a handle getting yelled at out there on a traffic stop or out there in the world? But um, Pensacola, you know, it's like one of the rules they have, and I still think they do, you know, they've done away with a number of them. Uh, one of the ones they have is that young men and women that are single cannot be caught together in an elevator at any time. Um, and it's like, you know, okay. And, and they had other standards that you had to live by. It's like, you got to wear a Titus class every day. I don't know if they have that anymore, but, you know, I think when Gabe first started or something, it's like, you know, hey, this is part of life. We all have, you know, Rigors of life we have to live by. And it was, it was a time period where they could move from, you know, just 
being micromanaged about everything to where they still had to have a lot of responsibility to get to class on time, times and all that kind of stuff to where there was still that kind of that, you had a curfew, you had to be back by a certain time, you had to be in your room by a certain time, that kind of thing. But uh, number two, the balance between freedoms and protections. Uh, there's a number of them listed there. Why? Um, the, you know, especially when your child is getting older and getting into adulthood, there just needs to be a balance of, of, of wanting to protect your children. And, you know, when Gabriel was living at home before he got married, there was, you know, hey, we still want to know where you're at. I mean, I, I let Karen and Holly, I mean, Pastor was talking about the app on his phone. The Becca knows where, uh, Miss Becca knows where he's at all the time. On my cell phone, all three of us, they can see where I'm at all the time. When I'm heading out on a trip, when I get to my destination, I let them know, hey, I've arrived. When I'm leaving, I let them know I'm leaving. And, and it's just a matter of, it's a safety thing. You know, Holly lets me know when she's leaving somewhere or whatever. So we just got an idea about how long it's going to take for her to get home in case something happens. But it's uh, letter A there. Safety from their wicked flesh and desires. Safety from their ignorance and lack of life experiences. Safety from their friends. This is a very important one. Running out of time here. But safety from their friends is probably one of the most important as far as they're growing up. 12, 13, 14, I remember being over in Romania. And uh, we got together at this missions conference where they had a bunch of other American missionaries from all over Romania getting together for a missions conference just for missionaries. It's for like the first Thanksgiving we were there, and it's like it was the last one I went to. But, um, you know, Gabriel wanted to go hang out with this group of kids that was kind of over to the house of this one particular teenage boy. And I said, no, son, you ain't going over there. I don't like that kid. I don't want you around him. I don't want you talking to him. He's got a horrible attitude. I don't like the way he talks to his parents. And it's very important as far as parents being protective of who their friends are and who their friends are. And, and let me tell you something. One of the greatest joys that I received as a result of being very protective on who my children hang around with was with Gabriel about every two months when he was in college would text me, thank you so much for this. Thank you so much for this parental control. He didn't say parental control, but that's basically what he was saying. Thank you so much for this. And the friends he picked in college, in, in the friends that uh, Hannah and Holly had in college, for the most part, were just great people that we really liked. And it was their ability, to, to the friends that they have today, um, that's very important. But uh, their friends are very key. Letter D, safety from this vilely wicked world they live in and then safety from spiritual wickedness in high and low places. Uh, I personally think it's important on what they watch. is very crucial. Letter three, or number three, the blessings versus brokenness. Children that remain living in home. Um, in, in, like I've mentioned before in these lessons, some of these we could just go so much deeper and so much broader in, in so much more detail, but financial blessings versus financial ruin for young people. Uh, young people, they're head out the house at 18 years of age, and, and it's just, they, they don't have the money, resources, or anything, and they end up getting in trouble financially. 
um, being at home can be, as long as they're submissive at home, can be a tremendous financial blessing as far as, you know, their cell phone, their auto insurance, being on health insurance, not having to pay rent, a number of things. But all these comes with a, a, a standard of expectation. And so many times parents just let the kids, even when they stay at home, do what they want. And it's, it's, I'm not allowed to do what I want at my age at work. I still got restrictions and standards and everything I have to live by and go by at work. And we will always have that. Otherwise, we will have to be forced and be put into a prison because we just live freely. And it's like, I can't live that free. You're going to prison now for the next 30 years. Let her be security and wisdom gleaned from the counsel of those that love you the most in this world. Young people, let me tell you something. Your best buds, BFFs, they do not love you. They do not love you. They're not concerned. One thing I have learned, BFFs do not love you. The ones that love you and want the best for you and one thing I've learned, and this is not always the case, and there's always an exception that proves a rule, but as a general rule, the person that loves you the most in this world, and I'm talking about God, the person that loves you the most is your mother and your father. As a general rule. And even if they're lost, as a general rule, that's the case. Letter C, protection from having a crushed life resulting in bad romances, bad friendships, and bad decisions. Letter D, love, healing, and comfort during the times of broken hearts and bad decisions. Letter E, God's blessings and protections poured out on your child are by far the greatest of all benefits. One of the things that we need to instill in our children is that their number one priority is that God, that they live their life in a way that God can bless them. Can bless them. Um, let me just conclude here because I think I'm out of time. Uh, next week, uh, Will of God Part 2, dealing with the will of God and suffering and then God's will in principle or His plan for your life. Um, one thing I've learned is far as in this will of God in this one section, like all these, most all these lessons we're going through, you could you could do a series on each one. But um, it, it, it's it's a sensitive balancing act when it comes to children, this day and age, the attitude that parents have, even Christian parents. Well, they're 18, and they just got to go out and experience the world and make decisions for themselves. It's, are you kidding me? It, it's like, let's be more sensitive and more protective. Yes, there has to be a standard if they stay at home. But um, we can still be protective of them. And in, in, uh, God's blessed me and and more than likely, he's blessed me beyond what I deserve because um, he gave me a credible wife that has been an incredible mother. Um, and um, 
was the help that uh, I had needed for me in my life. That uh, we can learn great things from our parents, good things, bad things, and hone how we raise our kids. But uh, number one and foremost is if you want to be the best parent, make sure your life is right with God. Because God's not going to bless with having great kids as a general rule if you're a horrible child to your Father in heaven, if you're not obedient, if you're a hypocrite. We've seen it over and over and over in children's lives. Famous people. I'm talking about pastors and missionaries. Dear Father, thank you for this time. Maybe the next service, be the pastor as uh, he preaches. And uh, Lord, I just pray that this new year coming up, I pray we all be faithful uh, to love you more and more each day. And in Jesus Christ's name I pray, amen.